Hi, and welcome to Talkward. I'm Marty Dundix, and uh, this is Talkward. It's a fun little podcast where we have professionally funny people come and tell awkward and cringeworthy stories. Today's guest is Jason Chatfield. Welcome, Jason Chatfield. Hey, thanks for having me. Do you have an awkward or cringeworthy story? I, have so I always many. forget to tell people that ahead of time. Well, um, it's a given. Well, that's gonna, okay. I know. Well, I know that not only are you a, a famous cartoonist uh, in Mad Magazine, The New Yorker, syndicated uh, strip cartoon. Do you want to be my agent? Ginger Megs. Doing a good joke. Uh, you're also a stand-up comic. Yes. And voice actor and commercial actor. Hey, you got to hustle, you're man. Every, you, you have so many hustles. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a lot, but it's really two. I mean, it's it's performing and it's being a cartoonist. It's yeah. a humorist. I'm a weekly humorist. You're uh, <laughs> like a minute-by-minute minute humorist. Sure, yeah. Well, the, the thing is, there's no one... Back in the day, you could be a comic strip cartoonist and be a millionaire. You could literally be a millionaire. Yeah. Just do a comic strip. Yeah, like, like uh, Jim Davis. Sure, Garfield, like right? Jim Davis, like, like, like Yanni Bushmiller. And then you, and you have the people who are uh, recluses, like the Bill Waterson. Sure. Calvin yeah, and Hobbes. My favorite, yeah. And, but then nowadays, I mean, I'm, I'm a newspaper, syndicated newspaper comic strip cartoonist. I kind of entered that party as they were sweeping up the cups. And uh, it seems like now I'm what I'm doing is trying to evolve uh, and adapt to like whatever people are looking at now, where people are reading. I've always been fascinated by, and I was an avid reader of newspaper cartoons mm. every single day. Yep. And when I go home to visit my parents who get the newspaper every day, I, I got a newspaper every day in New York, in Brooklyn. Huh. But the newspaper that I would get was the Wall Street Journal. Didn't have cartoons. Yeah, it had Trudeau, I think. And then uh, the I, I, I got the, the New York Times for a while. Mm-hmm. They don't have cartoons. Nope. Like Nobody has cartoons in these expensive daily newspapers. Right. But I go home to suburban Maryland. And they get they get the Washington Post and they get the the Capital newspaper. Mm-hmm. Both of them have daily cartoons. Big color comic sections. Yeah. Oh, the weekends. Yeah. They know right. what's good. And I I read them. Yeah. I, my mom reads um, Baby Blues. Ah. Oh, she Jim loves Kirkman. the baby. Loves the Baby and Blues. Jerry Scott. Yes. One of the funniest things Rick families can do together is is try to tell somebody how funny a comic strip is without <laughs> showing them the comic strip. It's always like ah. Oh, listen to this baby blues. Yeah. And then my mom reads to me, reads yeah. the baby blues, does does not work, doesn't translate. The two, here's the thing. You got to look at it. it. Those two, so Jerry Scott and Jim Kirkman, who do that strip, are both funny, just funny people. Yeah. You know how people have just funny in their bones? Yeah. And Kirkman also, um, I think he, he has another strip, and then Jerry Scott also writes Zits with Jim Borgman. Oh, another so one. He has two they big love major zits. comic strips. They're amazing. Yeah. Same guy. Yeah. What's the other one that uh, it has? It's the two animals. No, is it Mutz? Uh, Mutz has two animals. Yeah, that has a cat and a dog. That's, yeah, Mutz. Yeah. Uh, but then also you've got like Pearls Before Swine. Pearls Before Swine. That's so the think one. Stefan Pastis. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. a biggie. And that's the thing. So that industry used to be so lucrative and so insanely big. And it's still to a degree if you have like, you know, uh, a, a really big following and you put out books. and you King know. Features Syndicate. Yeah, Universal. Was that the big one? That I was feel one of like the big that two. was the big that was when I was growing up. Yeah, that was it. Seemed like that was on every single strip. Well, they had uh, I think they had the really big. Yeah, they had the big like ones. Peanuts. I think Peanuts was with Beetle Bailey. Yeah, Beetle Hagger Bailey. Hagger the Horrible. Hagger, yeah. Well, so it's between like Universal and King, which Universal is now called Andrews McNeil Syndication. Is that what you Go are? Comics. Yeah, that's who I'm with. Okay. And they had like Garfield and all that sort of stuff. King is like Zitz, and then you've got. I've been seeing yeah. a lot of this Go Comics. Yeah, it's pretty everywhere. Good. You know, a lot who's of web on comics. there? Like uh, Mike Shield. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Mike Shields all over the Go comics. They got a lot of funny stuff. They yeah. got a new people in coming in, like Dana Simpson and some really funny new cartoonists and really diverse voices. I like it a lot. Yeah. And in addition to being a bajillion things at the exact same time, Jason, you're also uh, the vice president of the Cartoonist Association. Yeah, is National Cartoonist Society. Yeah. National Cartoonist Society. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, is that the Rubin Awards? That's the Rubin Awards. Yeah. That's it's, a big deal. I mean, it's a big organization. All been, of these yeah. cartoonists get together mm-hmm. and uh, put on tuxedos. Yep. And a lot of them never leave their homes, except for this one event a year. Yeah, we rent tuxedos. <laughs> Many of them are tuxedo t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 different than what it used to be. It did used to be this big, like since 1946, yeah. it's been doing. So, wow. And that goes all over, you know, got like the Milk Kniffs and all those guys and, the, and you know, Schultz, you know, yeah. all those guys. But... It started out as a lot of like editorial cartoonists and comic strip guys. Mm-hmm. Just basically just a bunch of old white guys. Uh, but these days it's a lot more different. Like it's a lot more, um, you know, we've got webcomic cartoonists and animators and and a lot of people who do lots of different stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's it's so it's not so much like a bunch of guys dressed up like penguins. Now it's yeah, we still do black tie, but it's it's a lot more diverse these days. Yeah, but it's great. It's a lot of fun. It it brings in a lot more personalities. Mm. I think every personality that's there is the same in one way or another in the way that, you know, when you meet another comedian, mm-hmm. you immediately have a shorthand with them. Yeah. Where you just know, you just have that simpatico. All the cartoonists, when we get together, we all, whether we know each other or not, we all just have that yeah. thing. You get it. But we all have our different uh, personalities in that, like, someone might be a gag cartoonist and then the other person might do, like, caricatures. Right. But we all have that cartooning thing. We yeah. all have that thing. Um, and so when we get together, we do this thing. Yeah, so, like, the Rubens weekend, which is every Memorial Day long weekend, we do, like, a, like a conference and a bunch of panels and... Um, and then a big awards night, mm-hmm. you know, on the Saturday night. And, uh, you know, it's like any organization. You just, you know, uh, hand out awards for the different categories. And uh, and we have a lot of fun. Th- this year, we changed it up a bit. We're doing a festival. So more like, a, not Comic-Con, but more like a festival-style programming. So more rather. panel discussions. Yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. That. A lot of that guests, stuff. Special guests. Yeah, yeah. We've got like Bob Mankoff. And, oh, Bob uh, Mankoff's going to yeah. be talking about cartoon collections. Yeah, Pat Burns and Mort Gerber. Pat just, Burns? Yeah, yeah. Pat's going to be He's doing his own panel. It's going to be huge. you got to come. It's going to be great. He does a lot of weekly humorous stuff now. He's really funny. I love his stuff. He's When he submitted, I, I got it, and he, he he'd emailed because Bob Eckstein, I think, had, mm-hmm. had, had recommended. Yeah. And, yeah. and I got it, and I was like, wait, this guy's like this guy's like he's old a, school, big time cartoon. He's a pro. This he's guy's like a big time pro. Yeah. And uh, I like I sent it to I, I wrote to Kit and I was like I was like Kit this guy and he's like whoa that guy's big and yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Ah, I can't believe this guy's gonna be in <laughs> Weekly Humorous and then he sent a bunch of stuff and yeah. like his style is it has that throwback yeah but with like a modern joke totally yeah but you know? it's also like it, you can pick it a mile away it's a distinctive style that you go oh that's a Pat Burns cut yeah and he did you know how today these days uh, this is a little inside baseball the New Yorker kind of has a daily cartoon now yeah. And when it started doing that, I think it was under Bob Mankoff's sort of era of the New Yorker, just, I think, uh, it would be the same person every day. It'd be David Cypress, it'd be Pat Burns, it'd be something. And they'd do like six weeks every day. Would it be like um, Gregory? Uh, maybe. Gregory? Is yeah. it David Gregory? Sure, yeah. I mean, maybe. maybe. I, I wasn't doing the daily back then. You know who was a biggie that uh, I haven't heard from in a long time is that Matt Diffie. Oh, you know, he kind of stopopped doing Did New he stop doing stuff. cartoons? He's out in L.A. now, yeah. 
Man, he had the coolest style. Oh, I love his style. He's like a pencil sketch, but it was like always perfect. He did a great collection. If anyone loves cartooning who's listening, <laughs> what are the odds? He did a great thing. They don't called... leave their houses, so. <laughs> uh, the Rejection Collection. Oh, I love the Rejection Collection. So, that was Diffie's idea. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. My favorite one from that book is, I think it might have been a Mick Stevens or someone. Uh, uh, I'm sorry if I'm uh, screwing this up. It's a guy holding a sign saying, please help ass head and he's got an ass for a head and it's like you could never run that in the new yorker yeah but it's so it looks so absurd and silly every time i see it i laugh and it's in the rejection collection and every, i have that book i look at it all the time it's so funny it's a good one yeah and diffy so yeah diffy was the brainchild behind that he's a funny funny guy he had a thing forever ago mm. and he was trying to get people to sign up for his e-newsletter yeah, right. And if you signed up for his e-newsletter, he would send you an original drawing. Yeah. That and dried up pretty quick. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think I was like number 60-something or whatever, wow. and it took yeah. like a long time to get your drawing, but well, I got it in the mail. It's signed. It has like so a certificate, cool. and I have it on my wall. I love that. It's an angel in the corner. Face. It was, it was like your back. His back is to you, and he's yeah. taking a smoke break. That's great. It was just like really simple. Diffie always has great ideas. He actually has a really big project coming up. I... I don't know how public it is, so I won't say what it is, but it's a really big project and it's exploring. He's such a great writer. He's such a great comedic mind. And if you've seen a Matt Diffie cartoon, you get the kind of brain that he has. I mean, he was so prolific. I hope he hears this. I hope Diffie is is tuning in and listening to us talk about him for no reason (laughs) on a podcast about Jason Chatfield. Sorry, I'm, I'm deflecting, is what I'm doing. Yeah, no, he's fantastic. He's one of my all time favorites. Yeah. And, uh, so you uh, live in New York now. Yes. You're from Australia. Yeah, that's what. And that when is. did you move? When did you make the big leap, the fleeing, <laughs> if you will? When did I flee to this wonderful wasteland yes. of Trumpism? I actually, it's funny because I used to come over for about a month at a time. Way back, starting in like '09, I used mm-hmm. to come over for the Rubens of all things. Yeah, and then I'd just stay for a month and do stand up in New York. So, and I'd, I'd do like spots and shows and bar shows and mics and whatever I could get. Right. And then as I built up that sort of, I guess, a network and a and a, a bunch of people who would you know pay me to work, um, I finally got a green card and moved here in 2014. So five years. Yeah. So that's not long at all. No, I'm still pretty fresh off the boat. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a long boat ride. Yeah. <laughs> Are there a lot of differences that you've that you've acclimated to? Um, sort of. I mean, as far as comedy goes, I threw out literally seven years worth of material when I moved here, and I started again. Yeah, I did, totally I did a, different. Yeah, I did a Seinfeld in comedy. I just threw out my act and started from scratch. Yeah, because everything I was doing, there was two parts to it. I was doing comedy in Australia since about '07, and I built up an act in like a couple of hours. And and that was good, but then when I moved here, none of it really resonated. Right, and some of it did, some of it didn't. But it was getting old anyway. I was getting Too tired. Too many jokes of, about you know marsupials. <laughs> yeah, dingoes things. eating babies. Right, you know, exactly. Crocodiles. So I just threw it all out. I was kind of ceremonial about it. About this, I'm like, there's too many differences between what people laugh at here and what people laugh at in Australia. And so I, was, I had this book. I mean, are they eat. dirtier? A little bit. Yeah, I mean the C word's kind of a term of endearment there. So yeah, yeah. I feel like that yeah. happens a lot. That's like mm-hmm. in Australia and in 
Would that be like there's a lot of UK? UK as well a yeah. bit. It's very derivative of UK comedy. Yeah. So uh, you've seen Jim Jeffries. I mean, exactly. it's yeah, probably absolutely. the best illustration. Yeah. We just fired Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to swear on air, but it's one of those things You can that swear. It doesn't matter. Really, but... Well, his gun bit was great. Uh it works without swearing, yeah. but it's made even funnier by the way that he... Just the way that he is, the right. way that he talks. And that kind of uh, comedy, his... Jim Jeffries is a singular comedian. Not all Aussie comics translate as well as he does. Right. Uh, so I threw out my book. I was in <laughs> I was in a hotel bar in the Lower East Side in Ludlow Street. I, I took my book of jokes that I took with me everywhere for seven years, tore out all the pages, threw it in the toilet. With the cover and everything. And then flashed it, and then the water rose up, yeah. and it got high. It was all like, oh, great. And then the water went like purple from all the ink. Yeah. And then I flashed it again, and then it overflowed with all the page, and it ran out. And the next day I came back, and there was like tape over the toilet. I broke the toilet. You broke it, yeah. With my material. So I, I started with nothing. I had okay. nothing to fall back on. And then I just went out every night, four or five sets a night, mics, show, whatever I could get. Yeah. And uh, and just, yeah, worked up new material. And um, that was for four or five years ago, yeah. And you're pretty active on the stand-up scene now. Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I sort of did all the You do a lot things. of QED stuff? Uh, yeah, I do, yeah. Do QED and... and uh, I oh, did you know what I missed that there. I really wanted yeah. to see was the Union Hall Picture This mm. show. I live right uh, two two streets down from, oh, from there. And okay. I was just out of town. Yeah. That was just this, this past Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, that's right. And I missed that. And tell me, uh, what's that about? Picture This. I started doing that back in 2013. Okay. So it sort of started out as like a festival show where, you know, you'd follow these festivals around. There's lots of comedians. Mm-hmm. And then they'd just get a, a couple of animators, a couple of cartoonists to draw what the comedians were talking about. Ah. And it would project behind them on stage. Okay. And then it became this real, like, it really caught on. And so then they started just doing their own standalone shows in LA and New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's such a funny idea because... Cartoonists and comedians kind of all think along the same way. They know what funny There's a gag. Is. Yeah, there's a gag. There's always a punchline. And and the joke is is king. Like you always right. have to, you know, you, you know what's funny. And so now every every month at, at usually at Union Hall, um, they get like five comedians and five animators. And the animators are from all over. They're from like TV mm-hmm. and TV animation, Netflix, Comedy Central, and you know, cartoonists from Mad and New Yorker. And uh, and then they get like a list comedians to come in. Like I, I was drawing for Reggie Watts. That was really cool. That's awesome. Uh, this last Saturday was with Mike Kaplan, who's hilariously funny. funny. Yeah. You've had him on your show, right? He has not, not yet. I'll oh, book okay. him. I need yeah. to book him. I've be... I've seen him so many times. Yeah, yeah. He's really good. He's so funny. One of my favorites. And so it's great because when you get to draw for like, I was drawing for him. Uh, he's very he's... cerebral and smart. Yes. Like everything's yeah. very just like intellectual. I love that. Yeah. I've seen him do comedy at another friend's show where the, the crowd was dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he he hates a dumb crowd. Well, he he because it just, doesn't work, and he's just like he's alone on stage. <laughs> he's like, oh, you people are such idiots. I love that. <laughs> well, because that, but he's not doing it in a malicious no, way. No, he's the fool on stage yeah. now, trying to speak to a room of people who yeah. don't get him. Yeah, and it's hilarious because he yeah. just kind of buries himself in it. Yeah. That's so funny to watch a comedian try and dig their way out of it. Yeah. a gig like that. I've seen him do that, and I was dying laughing. I was hosting a show, 2015, 2016, uh, in at the Producers Club in Times Square, and um, he got up and it was one of those crowds, and he started going, "Well, you guys aren't, uh, you know, really, not really going for the uh, cerebral stuff these days. Uh, how about this? Punched a guy in the face the other day. <laughs> no, okay." Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I have some balloon and, animals. But it was just so funny to watch. And then he also, because his his name name is spelled M Y Q, Mike. Uh, and so just before I brought him up, I'm like, it's is it? How do you pronounce your name? Is it Meek? And he's like, Yeah, it's Meek. Bring me on as Meek. I'm like, <laughs> okay. And so I called him Meek Kaplan. He's like, You idiot! It's Mike. <laughs> like, <laughs> he set you up. He set me up. But yeah, he was great. So picture this a uh, long way around. Uh, is really, really funny. They're doing an all-female show, I think, next month, uh, which is great. So all-female animators, all-female comedians. And uh, they always book a great show. Yeah. yeah. I think it's picturethisshow.com. That sounds and on like fun. social, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of fun uh, New Yorker cartoonists that live in New York mm. that I haven't gotten to see. I know that um, Ellis Rosen does oh, a live show, I think, that I haven't favorite. seen. Ellis- he seems like a really good... He's the best. He's funny. Oh, and he's I, so talented. Ellis is one of these guys who every time I see his work, I want to cut off my hand. He's just, I'm like, why am I even bothering? Yeah. He and he's a great fact checker. Like on my I have a podcast with a friend of mine, Scott Dooley, and we come up with New Yorker cartoons. Yes, it's called Is There Something in This? Yes, right. Yes. And very often R- Ellis will text me after hearing the episode and go, Oh, by the way, Larson did that one. Uh. Or, oh, by the way, yeah, Jason Cassins needed something. Similar. <laughs> so he's our fact checker. Like unofficially, we call him Ellis Facts Rosen. And he's and we always we mention him at least once an episode in one way or another, usually because he did a great version of a cartoon that we're trying to work out and he has that kind of ability to grab an idea and just shake it and just find from every angle just find something really funny about it did you see his uh uh play-doh and work-doh cartoon <laughs> yeah, with a spot of color it was so funny that was last week's uh magazine i yeah. was dying laughing and it was it, perfect it, it was so simple it was and so, great. so funny how many times do you think someone's pitched a Play-Doh cartoon? Yeah, so the, for the people listening who haven't seen, there's a cartoon, there's a, a little a boy playing with Play-Doh, and he's in, the Play-Doh is in color, he's in color. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a man, the father next to him, and it's called Work-Doh, and yeah. it's this gray, and it's just like a block, <laughs> and he just looks sad. <laughs> he's got like lines under his yeah. eyes, he's in a, his tie is loosened, he's in it's a bedraggled a suit. So funny. It, and you immediately get it. Yeah. There's no like yeah, work to get it. Yeah, there's no like, I have to figure out any, no, there's no cues that you don't have it's to get so it. so funny. Yeah, it's and it, so Ellis J. Rosen, so I think he's uh, at Ellis J. Rosen on Instagram, he's yeah. really, really funny. Um, yeah, there's some really good other cartoons like Amy Kurzweil, um, Hillary Campbell is great, Hillary Fitzgerald Campbell. Sarah um, Lautman. Oh, Lautner. La- Lautman, Lautman, yeah. Lautman. S-L-A-U-T-M-A-N is her Instagram. Yeah. She's um, great. Obviously, Will McPhail. There's tons. Um, there's so many good cartoons. And, and do you guys all hang out in New York? Yeah. You guys yeah, yeah. You go up to the, the Society of Illustrators and do functions and things? Uh, not so much the Society anymore. Um, you you, know, you get kicked it. out of the Society, did you? You get <laughs> yeah. banned? Yeah, someone drew on that uh, <laughs> that big painting above the bar. Graffiti. Well, I tried going to a thing. I think it was a New Yorker church. I think I saw you in line, and you got in. I did not <gasps> get in. Right. It was like over the summer. It was the Women in Cartooning New right. Yorker panel. Right, And so I went to the second one that they held about a month later, and I got into that. Okay. But yeah, that was... that. And then I think... Uh, Liza Donnelly was like streaming it on Facebook Live. Yeah. There were people literally down the street, like Peter Cooper and people yeah. trying to get in. No, no one could get in. Yeah. And Cooper's like a huge cartoonist. And I'm like, well, He's you huge. can't get in. He just, uh, he sent me like five cartoons for Weekly Humorous. Oh, great. So those are going to run soon. He's so funny. He does Spy vs. Spy in yes. Mad Magazine. He's Spy so vs. Spy. Love that guy. It's amazing. He, he actually said something really interesting to me uh, at the Cartoonist Christmas Party. We had like, Five seconds together. And he, and in that five seconds, he imparted something really interesting. He said, 
when he was starting out in like his twenties, when he was like at SVA or whatever, um, he was like he was put onto panels and things like that to talk about art and illustration and cartooning. And he said he barely knew that much about it, but he was so like hyperverbal about like verbose and would would say anything, would talk it up. And he said the more he learned about being an artist, the less he says about it now. Yeah, because he just feels like oh, the more I find out about it, the more I realize the less I know. Which, if I'm any indication, that means I know nothing. Nothing. So. <laughs> Talk all the but time. But he's so good, and he's been he's been doing it for such a long time. He's yeah, been, he's built for it. Yeah. On top of doing, um, well, you, you do Mad, and you yep. do The New Yorker, mm-hmm. and you do the stand-up, and yes. then you're also in the, uh, uh, is it the Selsun Blue commercials? <laughs> and you play a character uh, named Dan Druff. Yeah. D-A-N Druff. Dan Druff. And yeah. he's like this incredibly annoying person that is bothering people on, on like first dates or, and stuff, right? Just like you're just daily life. And you're covered, you're, you're wearing like a white tuxedo, yeah. and everything's dusty with mm-hmm. Dan Druff, and yep. you have white... White hair and white face. <laughs> you look kind of like a ghost. Yeah, I do white face. Like yeah. a very albino person. Yeah, they actually got some blowback on that from the albino community. <laughs> they did, really? Yeah, the, 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 the uh, uh, God, the Society of Albinism or whatever it was got up in arms about it, saying, why are you depicting a horrible uh, bodily function as an albino and his whole thing? Which, you know, I, I, get, I get it, it but it, it, that's not intent, I think, matters as well. Uh, but yeah, so it, I, I had to bleach my hair for that. Really? That was real? That was real. I bleached my hair for that. It took five hours in the chair. It burned my skull. Wow. Doing like shots of scotch to try and keep myself... And it all grew back okay. It took nine months to grow back. Really? They dyed it back within 24 hours to, to some vague, like appropriate, like a, a approximation yeah. of what it was. And it, but it went red. Oh, and I was yeah. like, well, I don't, I don't have red hair. Because it like, stripped everything out of your hair. Did the eyebrows as well. I did bleach my eyebrows. Really? Yeah. So I just shot two more before Christmas. They're coming out this month. Uh, but in that one, I, they painted my hair instead. Okay. Way better. Way better. Yeah. It was a two-day shoot. That's <laughs> so, exciting. You're like yeah. a spokesman. Well, yeah. They just, uh, Head and Shoulders just uh, hired Sofia Vergara. So they're panicking. That's the competition. Uh-oh. Yeah. So now I've got to, I don't know. It's pretty even. Yes, yeah, right. Me. Yeah, thanks, buddy. No problem. Appreciate it. <laughs> so, how many spots is that? That's three TV spots, but then there's a whole bunch of social media spots and stuff and extra stuff that I did for that. Yeah, it's fun. It's just like a that's side exciting. Hustle. It's the perfect crime because no one recognizes me. No, it's very hard. I've been in sports bars, you know, watching games, and then it comes on all the time. Well, no one's gonna. I mean, you're not wearing any of the white exactly, stuff and, and I don't look like that not at all. And so people, are, I'm looking around like. No one, no one, no one, no one recognizes. No, no one cares. It's great. And is I mean, man, they could have done like a Super Bowl ad. Mm. Wouldn't that have been good? They were talking about really. It. They were, but the buy was too big. The it's spend really a lot. The spend was insane. Like and all were, they and all they end up doing is uh, like shitting all over your commercial. Yeah, after everyone's like, this wasn't as good as it should have been. I I feel like, like. Did you see the commercials? I thought the one with Harrison Ford was that was pretty good. Cute. Yeah, that was all right. He's yelling at the dog. I just love the dog. Dog was cute. If you listen to my podcast, all I talk about is dogs talking. I just love the idea of animals talking. Especially dogs. Dogs are just inherently funny. Yeah, dogs are funny. Inherently funny creatures. And that's one of those things that I I saw that in the ad. I was like, the dog's talking to Alexa. There has to be at least one talking uh, animal commercial every Super Bowl. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's in the contract. And then the one... 
I liked, um, what did I like? I liked Harrison Ford. Mm. And I liked, that was, I guess that was it. Yeah. The anniversary one was pretty good. Like when the, you know, the gala where they're like, oh, yeah, the football one was good. That's fun. Everything else was just so apocalyptic and like robots are going to take over the world. Oh, yeah, that's what I noticed too. I I noticed there were two, at least two ads that were making fun of artificial intelligence, like shitting on it. Like, you, you know, we're better than you. I'm like, yeah. it seems like we're very afraid of robots. <laughs> that's li- that's the the tone because everyone went the same direction. Yeah, everyone's just like, we're better than you, robots. It's like they're gonna turn on you. But then there's it's a like we're expecting it to happen. Commercial with a dog ordering food. Yeah, and I using AI and assistance, and yeah. it's, it's, it's like, well, what do you? Yeah, this is inevitable. Like, we're sad that the robots are easily going to take over, and yeah. they're going to look at this evidence as like, well, we should probably enslave you. <laughs> we'll look take at... Harrison Ford first. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Somehow the AI has an American accent. We'll take Harrison Ford. At least. Yeah. Um, when you're doing uh, the the Ginger Megs. Yes. And that's a daily strip. comic strip. That's right, yeah. And that's syndicated all over the place. Mm-hmm. And you write and illustrate that. Yes, that's right. So how many, I mean, do you do a bunch and then have them ready to go? Yeah, I do. I do. I do a, a <laughs> every day. You don't wake up and do one cartoon. Wouldn't that be a life? Wouldn't that be great? I feel if like that was that's... my only job. Yeah, I like the idea that people think that's what it is because they're I like, do. "Oh, this guy's got to figure it out." That's what I think. That's when I would all. wake up and read Garfield. Yeah, I would think Jim Davis last night <laughs> drew this cartoon. Yeah, and yeah, that was his day. That's what I used to think as well. And then he would mail it to King Feature Syndicate in a box. <laughs> gets there that afternoon they open it and they put it in the newspaper yeah no that's so what what's I the process of doing that well it's basically and this this is going to sound silly but i've been doing it uh oh seven so what is that uh, 11 12 years uh just over 11 years and in that time i've figured out what my process is in yeah. writing it's six dailies and a sunday strip okay so six three panel strips that go in the daily in, in color and then a big sunday three deck half page yeah um so to write those and keep them all consistent and keep the flow and the tone and the jokes kind of in, you know, in, in the same vein, I run a bath and then I have this thing that sits over me and I That's sit- That's like old school. Yeah. When and then, people would like do work while right. bathing. It's very Dalton Trumbo. Yeah. It's very, that's what it, it's very Dalton right. Trumbo. And I, I stumbled onto it by accident. Have I just, you dropped things into the bath? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's not Is good. everything waterproof? Well, I have a waterproof notepad. Okay. And I have, you know, waterproof like neck pillow Don't thing. you get all uh, like wrinkly? I do. <laughs> but so I, t- that's also like a timer for me as well. I know it's been too long if I start getting wrinkled. I'm like, quick, keep writing. You're going to wrinkle up. So how do you do that? I mean, like you write the jokes. I write 12 at a time. Okay. And uh, so it's two gags? weeks. Or just quick gags? It gags. It's three panel gags. It's set up. You know, beat punch. It's it's kind of and and you can tell us you know a story arc over mm-hmm. like six days. But yeah, so I write them all at once, and I actually have this thing. My wife came up with this every idea. week. You do this every week, okay. every Sunday. I so call, this so Sunday is the day. It's Sunday is the day I write these. Yes. So if something is happening socially on a Sunday, mm-hmm. I have to say, listen, you I'm, can't do it, or does it blow your entire week if you have to move your schedule? It it, it annoys me because it's a ritual, it's a routine, and when you're a creative person, having that structure helps. Yeah, like I remember the John Cleese lecture about creativity is having a start and an end time really helps, like mm-hmm. creativity within constraints. So I do. It does get annoying when someone's like, "Hey, come over for lunch," and we're like, "No." Nah. 
uh, that's when I write my cartoons. I'm going to be soaking in the bath. Yeah. You know what? The, here's the essential ingredient. Once I've done six, and let me make this clear. This was my wife's idea. It was really to keep me in the bath and out of her hair. Uh, is that I tap three times on the bath and she brings me a glass of scotch. Oh, boy. So I call it Scotch Bath Sunday. Nice. All right. And so then I write the next six with a drink. And it's like a nice little carrot and stick thing. Yeah. You know. And so by then, I draw them up, uh, you know, throughout the week. And then I color them. And then I send them all at once. And then they... Tra- it's in about 34 countries. So they translate it into different languages. They edit it. They change some of it. Um, they make sure they do the pre-press right. Because the, the newspapers lay them out like weeks ahead. Right. So I have to have them all ready. And, uh, yeah, and that goes out. So the syndicate sends them all out. Because back in the day, it would be uh, a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. It would be a colorist. And yes. it would be a letterist. That's right, a letterer, yeah. And do you do everything now? I do everything now. There's no more That's crazy. scope. I mean, you'd never make any money if you had... If you're breaking up the money that... Even even now, like... So I took it... It's a legacy strip. So it's 98 years old. So... And how did they... I noticed yeah. that you... You're the fifth cartoonist yes, to be drawing right. this. Yeah, yeah. So there have been... And it, it's obviously changed throughout the years, the way Quite it's looked yeah, since yeah. 1921. Yeah, yeah. Good memory. And um, how how did you change the cartoon when you took it over? Or did you pretty much keep it going the same style? Well, I kept it going for a while, the same. It, it started in 1921, a guy called Jimmy Banks, and then he did it until 52. And then they had about a year's worth of strips to run. A guy called Ron Vivian took it over in 1953 and pretty much kept it exactly the same until 73. Then a guy called Lloyd Piper took over uh, when, when he died, when Ron died. And then uh, he did it for 20 years and kind of brought it forward a bit, but it was still just a Sunday strip. And then okay. by 83, this guy called James Kemsley took it over when Lloyd, Lloyd Piper died. And um, he really modernized it. He turned it into a daily strip as well as a Sunday strip. He did it in color. He introduced some like new characters and some new sort of elements to it that were a bit more modern. Mm-hmm. So that made it more accessible to an international audience and it made it more accessible to more papers and more more readers. It wasn't so like Sydney-centric. And um, then when I took it over, unfortunately, Kemsley passed away and he asked me to take it over a few days before he died. Really? Yeah, it was a pretty horrible way to inherit that kind of thing. Yeah. He was, he was a mentor of mine. He, he really helped me out and, and taught me, you know, when I was a uh, you know, early twenties. I, I was trying to figure out how to be a cartoonist. Yeah. And he he was the guy to to, to kind of teach me. Um, and so at that point, I didn't want to change it because I was like too scared that the papers would find an excuse to drop it if yeah. I change it too much. Since then, I very slowly, gradually, it's like the sun moving. You don't quite notice it, right? But very gradually, just changing the style a little bit, um, changing the dialogue, the vernacular a bit. Um, and also I've in, like, I've just in, introduced three new characters for 2019, which is, a cause it's an all white cast and yeah. in 2019 in Australia, that just doesn't fit. And in tw- 1921, pretty much that was, yeah, that's, that's, that's the audience. Yeah. Uh, but now, so now there's a, there's an Indian kid and then there's a, uh, uh, I think we've got an Aboriginal girl in there now. We've got a, um, a Malaysian Australian girl we have uh yeah we've got interesting characters who actually have good backstories mm-hmm. and who are you know a bit more culturally diverse and and 
Um, yeah, so that that's I've changed it in that way. That's probably the biggest change I've made is adding those characters. Yeah, but I feel like that's a necessary part of evolving something like a hundred year old comic strip. To What's keep the it background going. of the character? What does the character do for a living? He's like uh, an Australian version of Dennis the Menace. Okay, so he, is he a boy? He's a boy, little okay. redheaded kid called Ginger Megs, and he kind of gets into trouble, gets into mischief, you know, and he's he's always kind of um, getting into trouble at school and, and, you know. And how old is he? He's like 12, 11, 12. And he'll never age. He'll never age. He's a Peter Pan. Like a um, Bart Simpson. Type. Right, he's very much like Bart Simpson, but he predates him by about 80 years. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's funny because Dennis the Menace, I think, was about 30 years after Ginger Megs, but he perfectly typified that same kind of yeah. character. But the difference with Ginger Megs is he's more of an Aussie larrikin character. Like a larrikin is, is a like a mischief maker. That's like right. an Australian word for mischief maker. And uh, yeah, he, he really kind of embodies that whole Australian ethos of yeah. just, you know, uh, punching up, <laughs> you know. That's a lot of. To the uh, man, that's you know. a lot of plates for you to be spinning. Sure, yeah, but how know. do you handle all that? That's uh, tough. Good time management. <laughs> that's. I mean, if you miss something, it's yeah. like boom. Yeah, there's a you lot. Miss of plates. a day. Yeah, that's a lot of. It is. You have a lot of different people expecting stuff from you. <laughs> that's true. But Always. I think, like, like, how are you here right now talking to me? You have a million things to do, Jason. You, you should have time see for my this. calendar. You don't have time for this garbage. I schedule everything <laughs> in. There's actually, I mean, people ask that now, and I'm, I think about, it, I'm like, well, what, el- what are you, what else are you doing with your day? Like, I love cartoons. I love what I do. I'm very lucky to love what I do, um, and do what I love. But I basically. I, I set times for things and then I just do them at those times. And I know that procrastination, I've dealt with that in the past a lot. But when you know that you've got these other things to do, you just get them done. Like it's that old thing of if you want something to get done, give it to a busy person. Yeah. They'll, they'll, just, they'll just do it. They'll just get it done. Just get it off my plate. That's kind of what just it get is. Get it off my plate. That's how yeah. I am. I do the strip. I, I have a, a process for that. And as part of a part of a series of habits that I have, I do the daily cartoon for The New Yorker with Scott. So I'm... I'm sort of... Um, so how does the New Yorker process work? The New Yorker, you have to submit. You read. You get up. You read the That's news with, of the uh, day. Emma? Emma Allen at right. the New Yorker, yeah. And so you have to send in some roughs by about 9 a.m. Okay. And that's on stories, you know, news of the day, news of the morning, whatever the news cycle is. And then they'll tell you by about 10-ish if they want to buy it, at which point you have until noon to draw it up and send it. If they don't buy it there, I... <laughs> This doesn't always happen, but sometimes I'm like, well, I wonder if Mad will have a nibble at That's this. That's exactly what everyone else does. Because Mad is in California now, and they don't wake up until like... I mean, they don't get into the office until about midday New York time. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Like 9 a.m. California time. So, they're, so at that point, they're getting into the office going, all right, what, what, what's, what's here? So it's not that they get the dregs. It's just that they get what we didn't sell. No, they get the dregs, yeah. and then I get the stuff that Mad <laughs> I do. Like Ivan, uh, Ivan Ellers, who's been doing Mad, and he's yeah. been doing uh, New Yorker really stuff. Funny. I like he's him. amazing. He's yeah. so talented. He's so funny and sharp, and he's a nice guy. Mm. I went out to L.A. for work, and I hung out with him. Oh, cool. He's, he's a fun guy. He's yeah, like yeah, a cool. cool. He's a cool dude. I don't think we've met, but I'm not I know a cool he's Dude, really. But like he's cool, you know. Neither of us are cool. He's like a like a legitimately authentic California cool dude. He's wow. just like he always, he, he always says, "Hey, that's smooth." He smooth, says man. that's smooth, and he, and he can get away with it. Like, that's amazing. He can say things, and he just can, uh, he's just a cool guy. I love that. And uh, we like hung out in Hollywood. He's just wow. like, we were playing. We were playing pool. <laughs> did he play? Did he play pool? Hit the sink the black and like, then go. That's smooth. Yeah. Yes. And then drink a beer. or yeah. something? Yeah. 
Wow, that's awesome. He's just a cool this guy. This guy's a hero. Yeah, he was. If I can't ever, wait to meet him. When you're at Kiss, he'll be probably at your thing. Uh, your yeah, and so your yes, thing yes, is in California. So uh, 16th through the 19th of May. Yes, he'll probably be there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's he's a uh, he's quite prolific too. He's in everything. He's uh, he's popping up everywhere. He's everywhere. Yeah. And good style. Um, yeah. Are you? Is the process for Mad? Mm. Um, is it similar? Where you're just like sending it to an editor and you're pitching? Um, I do you pitch sketch? Because you pitch sketches. Yeah. I pitch. Yeah, I pitch roughs. Yeah. So I have this idea, and and what I'll do is because you do thing. stuff also with uh, uh, Alexis Novak. Yes, she's great. She's very funny. She's hilarious. Yeah. We just we we've done a bunch of stuff together. Where where uh, I think we have the same comedic. Um, she's um, very sharp. Instincts. Yeah. yeah. So she she'll pitch an idea, and I'll be like, I yeah, that's that works. I yeah. can see how to make this. You know, visual. You know, uh, we, and we're working on something literally today. Like it's, we're always working on something together. She's great. Um, she does stuff for Mad. She does stuff for Weekly Humorist, and uh, I think Reductress. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a, a couple other things as well. And, and uh, again, she's a McSweeney's probably. Uh, yeah, um, um, she's a yoga instructor as well. Yeah. Yoga. So yeah. you know, it's and that's the thing. You're like, how do I do all the things? Like, there's no stand up during the day. Yeah. So I do stand up at night. <laughs> And, you know, so the cartooning is during the day. She does the yoga stuff, and then she does the comedy stuff yeah. on the side. Well, not on the side. She just balances it out. Um, the, yeah, so I work with... So there's a comedian, an Australian comedian called Scott Dooley, who I I like to write with, um, not for everything, but for a lot of things, because it's good to get a second pair of eyes on something, on an idea, because they might take it in, like, a lateral direction that you wouldn't have thought of in the first place you know yeah. what i mean like you're like ah there's something here and i can't quite make this work and sometimes it just takes one other pair of eyes to go oh yeah it's that put pelosi here and she's doing the, you know like you 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 have you you um what am i trying to say i'm trying to say you develop a shorthand yeah between yourselves like like a writer's room it's yeah. like a punch-up it's punch-up um punching up a joke is is such an interesting process and it's something i've been doing for so long that it's part of my dna and it's part of his too. So we will both pitch very frequently. We'll text each other throughout the morning for ideas for the daily cartoon for the New Yorker or for Mad or for anything and just sort of rough it up and then send it and you pitch it via email. Mm-hmm. And then they go, yeah, we want to buy this one. Uh, draw it up for us and send it to us by by noon. Yeah, And then it goes up on the site and that's kind of the process. Yeah, And I think maybe it was in the summer when when you did the guaranteed delivery show. Mm. And I think that was around the time that you did a cartoon for the New Yorker. They got like a ton of flack from you. They did, yeah. And I thought it was the most simplest cartoon. Yeah. And it was, uh, the premise was, it was two gyms. It was two gym entrances, right? That's right. And one was gyms where everyone was taking like selfie photos of themselves. And one was a gym where you were just working out. Right, right. And That was the joke. That was the joke. The joke was that, because I would go to the gym every day. At that time, it was summer, so I was going to the gym. And I noticed that everyone just sits on equipment and stares at their phone. They just scroll through Instagram. They're not really exercising. They're going to the gym, but they're not going to the gym. Right. They're just sitting there. And so I made that observation. I pitched it as a joke to the New Yorker, and they were like, great, we love that idea. And what we discussed was having the execution. And it was, again, this is one that I worked on with Scott, where, I mean, I brought it up and had a few different angles. And um, what it was was on the left... It was a sign above the door saying, actually working out. Right. And then on the right, there was one saying, sit on equipment, scrolling through your phone. Right. So on the right-hand side, everyone in the gym is a guy. (laughs) I put everyone as a guy. These guys sitting on the 
I had an African-American guy and a, and a regular Caucasian guy sitting on equipment, scrolling through their phone. Uh, the person walking in is a yeah. woman, but yeah. she's in the minority there. She's just It's just her. Um, and then on the left-hand side, we have an African-American woman and a Caucasian woman. No, actually an Asian-American woman, uh, both working out. Like do, one doing deadlifts, another one doing lat pull-downs. And the person working in, uh, walking in is a guy. Yeah. So he's the least of... Anyway, uh, I was called a lot of names, uh, like a misogynist and a sexist and a... And a piece of garbage and a lot of filthy words. And I was like, wait a sec, just look at the cartoon. Look at it. And it's no one totally was looking at it. pro-women are actually the ones yeah. working out. Exactly. And we discussed that. The yeah. editor and I were like, make sure that this... Because otherwise, it's going to look like you're making fun of women right. being on their phones. And, and it is always the guys as well, to be fair, at the gym. Yeah. It's just a lot of guys on equipment uh, with their phones. So I drew it that way and it got a lot of flack. And everyone's like, yeah, but the foreground characters are all that matters. And I'm like, actually, that's not true at all. Yeah. Everything in a New York, everything in a cartoon is there on purpose. Right. And if you if you didn't look past that first thing, that's on you. Yeah. And so it really blew up. It was a massive social media. It went viral. Um, Reese Witherspoon weighed in. What did um, she say? She loved it. Okay, good. And but then you know other celebrities weighed in. Because if Reese didn't it. like it, well then I have to dislike it also. Uh, me too. I would have disliked it if she didn't <laughs> like it. And so what happened? So they the New Yorker put it on their New Yorker cartoons Instagram, and it, and then they put it on their official Instagram, the New Yorker Instagram, and it just went crazy, right? And they tagged me because of course they did, and it went nuts. And I got a, I got a lot of hate follows. Wow, which is a new thing I just discovered. People is follow you because they dislike. You. Yeah, they troll through your thing and go through and you Same know comment things. and say horrible things. Uh, and I was like, you know what, that's fine. And I didn't engage. Yeah, I, I thought, don't engage. This is just this is just part of you put your art out there. Yeah. You don't control the response. Yeah. You just. But then what happened was they went through. This is the little. This is a new thing. I've been a cartoonist for fifteen years. This is a new thing. They went through my feed and my Facebook and stuff and found my wife. And then they went to her social huh. and then DM'd her saying you should be ashamed to be married to such a woman-hating C-word and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, are you a... F- that's not feminine. What are you doing? Yeah. This is way out of line. It's crazy. And that's when I engaged. I was like, all right, you need to, I need to know what the hell, how you think this. And then you'd look on their page and then they just had these like confirmation bias bubbles yeah. of just all these people going, yeah, right on. Like, and saying repugnant stuff. People are mean and horrible. The internet's, I don't know if you know this. Yeah. The internet is not great not sometimes. Nice. Very mean people. And so, I mean, it was a lesson in, oh, okay, this hyper catastrophizing thing is yeah. a, it's just, like yeah you gotta get it's used like to it. if you become really popular right you have to be prepared to be just like having horrible things said about you it's it, it, it's almost like oh yeah. i don't want to be popular because i don't want to i don't want the attention <laughs> well i mean it's like it's not worth it it's almost not worth it and i i the thing is like i've never <laughs> fame has never been anything that seems appealing to me people are like oh i want to be famous i'm like oh, are you insane right i just want to be rich yeah what well, I, I don't i don't this be is famous why I'm a at all <laughs> a cartoonist doesn't have to put their face out there they just they're just a name on a piece of paper yeah that's the perfect crime exactly you're famous without anyone having to know who you are it's great that's why i always like cartooning i don't fame is that sounds horrible but um what's interesting about this is um, you know, people feel engaged and that's yeah. good, but the majority, if you go through the comments, the majority of people who did complain um, initially 
other people corrected them and went, hey, hey, look at the cartoon. Look yeah. at it again. And then to their credit, they were like, oh, wow, yeah, I should probably not jump to conclusions before. Because it's know, like a mob stuff. mentality. Yeah. And, and it's a very loud minority of people who yeah. are being really horrible. Um, but of course, yeah, they're the loudest. So they, they you know, they, you, you hear them the most. Yeah. So it is an interesting dynamic that cartoonists are now having to deal with. Other New Yorker cartoonists have got it as well, so we've discussed it. Yeah. And it's a part of the gig now, unfortunately, that people who have opinions about cartoons. Well, the tough thing about it about is it, you know? um, with social media, you're you're very accessible. It used to be like, oh, if this cart- if mm-hmm. like this cartoonist did something and he's he's in the magazine, it's like, what are you gonna yeah. do? You're not gonna be able to like dm him right. by pushing a page in a magazine yeah but now anyone can get a hold of you when i was started doing newspaper comic strips i was doing editorial cartoons before that uh for a newspaper in australia in australia yeah okay. i was doing political cartoons and um if people didn't like something they would write a letter to the newspaper right and the editor would get it and then they'd sometimes pass it on if it was like constructive um but that took you had to get a stamp you know, and, yeah. a, and an envelope. And then by the time you do, you're Effort. like, do I, re- I'm really that upset. People never write in because they like something. They don't feel compelled <laughs> to write yeah, a letter because they really love, boy, I really love today's Garfield. <laughs> no one's doing that. They only do it when they don't like something. Yeah. Yeah. So I found that uh, the most extreme real world example that I can think of even remotely is I did an editorial cartoon back in Perth, back in like 06, 05, something like that. And um, it was a, on a religious theme and there was a pro-life group that uh, didn't agree. And so they f- tracked me down and they threw engine oil all over my white car. What? Yeah. Uh, they found, tracked it down. And so they, yeah. Did they set it on fire? No, but okay. they, it was, yeah, oh, but it was oh, completely, it was, it was, I couldn't, it was in, it got in everything, all the seals, all the engine, it was ruined. So uh, that was in, resp- in direct response. And then they made it clear that, hey, don't screw with us. I was like, well, that's not okay. But uh, that's the closest thing that I can think of is like a real world version of the, you know, a Twitter mob. It's or, crazy. You know, a hate mob. And then, and then the publication not backing you and saying, hey, you're fired. We're never going to publish you again. To the New Yorker's credit, they backed me. Yeah. That, I mean, they published it. So they stand behind it. Have they ever taken anything down before? No. No, no, no I wouldn't no. think so. Even, I think the only time they would is if something was like plagiarized, if it was found to be plagiarized. Right. I think that's the only time. Because if they put it up, they stand behind it. Yeah. They did the due diligence on it and they went, you know what? All right. We're going to put this out. Yeah. We know it's going to cause a shitstorm, but we're going to put it out and we're going to stand behind it. You're yeah. going to stand behind the writer, the artist, whoever it is. Yeah. In your style, your art yeah. style is, you have kind of like, you, you, you'll you go one way with very, very broad cartoon, and then you do yeah. also very realistic stuff. It What's your art background? Like you went to art school? Oh God, no, I self-taught. I didn't, I didn't I study art. I got art supplies. <laughs> hey, look at you. I got <laughs> art great. supplies here for Jason Chatfield. Hey, nice. Now, is this kind of the kind of things you like? This are my favorite pens are these. these I love are these, those. Uh, I use those as well. Paper mates. Paper mate. Yeah, yeah, they're great. I love and those. And then uh, this is kind of like a sharpie that has a bit of a point. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. a nice black. Those bleed through a little bit on my paper. I find they do. They're not bad. Yep. So I have paper here. I, I have a, on my blog, uh, I have like a shop talk section where I talk about the tools that I use because I'm always trying new stuff because I find new pens on like Goulet pens or Jet pens. 
I don't know how, how yeah. we're going to do a sample. I kind of want to do a sample. Mm. Can you do a sample of anything? Yeah, sure. Um, well, so uh, with Ginger Megs, there's already a style. So I kind of have to adhere to that style guide book thing. Yeah. And then on the New Yorker, I kind of do that by hand. I draw that in a different style. It's more of a New Yorker-y kind of style. And then for Mad, it depends. Sometimes they're like, hey, can you draw in the style of Warner Brothers for this joke? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And it, that's from a background of doing like freelance illustrating and having to basically just take whatever work comes in. You kind of just have to say yes and then figure it out later and go, yeah, I can, I can do that. And then you end up learning to draw um, in a certain style. So, so that's it. Yeah. We're on uh, Instagram Live. I'm being multi oh, hey. uh, multimedia. Hello. It's Hi. Jason Chaffield, who's, everybody. Who's listening on air and looking at Instagram we Live? We're on everywhere. Get back to work. Uh, but yeah. we're this is uh, Talk We're Live, and we're talking to Jason Chaffield. And if you're on Instagram, you're watching this. So hopefully this will work. You're so multi-multimedia, Marty. This, is... this will... So Jason is doing uh, live drawing for us. Mm. And, uh, I'm a classic New Yorkery old dude. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think uh, for the longest time the New Yorker was just old white dudes? Yeah, yeah and they, they all they yeah. all wore the same kind of fun. Um, yeah. They always had many layers of fabrics. Oh yes, know? always. They always had the waistcoat, That's and they right. always had. <laughs> I think like my 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 envisionment of what uh, fancy decor <laughs> is. It's based on New Yorker cartoons. Yeah. And murder she wrote episodes. Yes. Like if Jessica Fletcher was in like a fancy mansion, <laughs> it would always have like, oh, this very nice paintings with the gold frames and <laughs> that's right. You know, chandelier type things and and like that's what my idea of absolute just decadence is. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think it was for a what for a very long time. I think it still might be. And you, you gotta remember that the New Yorker had an audience well, has an, an audience, but it has a new audience as well now. It's not just the same audience that it was for sixty odd years. So they are, to their credit, they are adapting to the times and showing a lot more different kinds of uh, people. And you're drawing some a fancy New Yorker. Oh, there's paintings now. Yeah, I thought you know if you I draw like uh, you know a, a a fancy mansion, they always have like portraits of either themselves or favorite like like the grandfather and he started the mansion and then the farm was taken over by the aunt who and she did it. She's the one in the study with the candlestick. Everything's very Clue. Yeah. Very Clue. If you're fancy, it's like Clue. It's the movie Clue. Yeah. So you're (laughs) self-taught. I didn't realize that. You're very, I mean, you're very good. Lots of, lots of practice. It's one of those things. The more you do it, the better you get. It's, it's just like, it's what, it's the only thing I've ever done. It's the only skill I have. (laughs) So, uh, you just, the more you do it. That's all I did as a kid. I So you do very loose stuff, but then you also do very tight stuff. Right. You know, like, so, you're very good at hands. Ooh, you, you, that's, that's how you can judge. Wow. When you can judge an artist, you judge them on their ability to draw hands. Right. Because, like, a hand, because I, I, I went to art. I studied art. You did? And I went to Syracuse for illustration. Wow. And it was like, I was always kind of taught, like, a hand by itself is like a portrait in itself. Is, it is. is. each hand. Mm-hmm. And that was like one of the hardest things to do was hands. And Can you I tell you down. how I learned? How do you draw hands, Jason? Chaffield? Okay, so in I want to say 2011, so about what is that? Eight years ago, uh, I came to the US uh, for a trip to the Rubens in Boston, and then afterwards I came to New York, and there was something called the Bunny Bash, which is Bunny Host who does a bunch of comic strips like Howard Huge and the Lockhorns. And yeah, like that. she has a big castle out in Long Island. And oh, cool. And so there's a big party. There's a big cartoonist party there every July. 
Uh, uh, June, rather. And uh, w- nearby is the house of a cartoonist named Mort Drucker. Oh, you know, I, I, had, I did a phone interview with him. No, really? When I was in college at Syracuse, oh, wow. you had to talk to somebody That's in your so profession cool. yeah. who is a professional and, like, interview them. Right. And right. I interviewed Mort Drucker. That's Drucker. so cool. And I talked to him and I talked to his wife. Oh, Barbara, yeah, right. And she talked a lot. She does, yeah. I mean, he's not particularly verbose. No. He, and uh, it was fun. He's a, I mean, he was a legend. He's a legend. How yeah. old is he? Is he uh, he's he in his there? 80s for sure. Okay. Nearly 90s, I'd say. He's very old. Yeah, but I mean, he did all the parodies, movie parodies for Mad Magazine. Forever. He kind of I invented. Was a huge, I was a huge Mad Oh, me fan. too. Totally. And uh, his stuff was amazing. He's a very talented guy, but he has this... I'd say two things about Mort, uh, of two of many other things. But one, he invented the movie parody for Mad. Yeah. I mean, he really invented that style and theme and 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 genre. Um, but then his hands are the best hands mm-hmm. of any of Jack Davis, of Tom Bridgman, of anyone. So he and so I, uh, a guy called Adrian Sinnott, who was the chapter chair of the. Long Island chapter of the National Cartoonist Society. He very generously took me to Mort's studio where I sat down with him and he just sat and showed me how to draw hands. So how do I draw a hand? Well, okay, so... This and, is the instructional part. And here's, here's an important note that he gave me. He said, um, a hand can be as expressive as the face. Because, and if you look at his hands, he's, he's absolutely right. You yeah. look at his mad parodies and his hands that he draws, they tell a story... Of emotion without you even to ha- have to read the speech bubble, you get it. Do you remember the Mort Drucker, um, the Godfather parody? Of course, and the Oddfather. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it was the, and it was when I think it was when Sonny was getting shot. Yeah, and his body in <laughs> silhouette is being shot by, and it's oh, his body like this. The hands, right? right? The hands, the hands are out. The clutch, the clutched hands. Yes. Exactly. And this is the entire him getting riddled with bullets. Do you know how many times yeah. I've sat and tried to draw those hands? It's impo- and, and I'm every like, what jo- am I doing every wrong? Every joint, you know, yeah. every joint means something. So the articulation of each finger. So what I've done, what I've drawn here, if is basically I'll draw this one shape, right? And that's kind of the palm of the hand. That's like the the open part, I guess. Yeah. And then on top of that, you add the fingers. You add like that 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 little loop there, that bump for the thumb is pretty important because that's going to determine how everything else fits in. And you've got this sort of crease there where the, where the hand usually creases. Then you just add the fingers to that shape and the the little finger always, the pinky always comes off this side of yeah. that shape. And so then you, you round it out with that part of the palm. Yeah. And then where it connects to the wrist, this is what I couldn't figure out with Mort until very recently, is it's where it connects to the wrist that matters. So if you're looking at... Um, uh, a hand that Mort draws, sometimes where it connects to the wrist is where that's where it actually matters most. Not not the knuckles, not the fingers, not the individual articulated joints of a hand. It's the actual connection to the wrist. That sort of stuff. I spend hours and hours looking at this stuff and trying to perfect it. And that's kind of, it's like comedy. It's like you keep trying to get better and better at it. And with cartooning, it's the same. You see someone's work and you just keep trying to like not mimic it but learn from it like Jack Davis always had you know yeah. great great uh feet and hands and and uh you <laughs> the sh- he always had the shoe with the little bullet hole in it you know <laughs> i used to only draw up like businessman <laughs> shoes and they'd always have a hole in the bottom yeah they'd always have that thing at the bottom where yeah. it was like a like a like i don't know what that was tom richmond still does it as like a an homage to to jack um he does the movie parodies for mad now 
But it has that, yeah. That when I would of... see those mad uh, movie parodies and just some of the illustration work that uh, Moore Trucker would do, yeah. and you would look at it and you'd say, God, that's so much work. It looks like you know, it. like God, that's so many panels. But then you look it's at amazing. him work, and he just sits there He's with so a fast. board on his lap. It's not even a drawing board. He has like a, a desk and then a board that sits on his lap and a pacer pencil, like mm-hmm. a like a a little clicky clicky pace. And he just sits there and draws it. He it just comes out and he does it in pencil. And his caricatures are so accurate, and he's Incredible. able to repeat them so many times. And he know? also does them from like profile. Like he doesn't just do front on. He does the side, yeah. three quarter view, yeah. And every time it's like. Which do you know how hard it is to caricature someone from every angle? Yeah, he he gets it. He captures their exact yeah. personality, right? And then he does it again and again and again and again in multiple pages. Yeah, and, and then he incredible. and he gets the proportions right, and he still it still looks right. And then also, and he had a great, he had good art direction as well. Like Sam Viviano was always great. Sam Viviano was uh, right. like my Mad Magazine hero. When oh. I first got out of college, I moved here, and <laughs> yeah. I would go to the Mad offices, and he, oh. and he would let me come up. Yeah. If I brought a box of donuts. <laughs> that sounds like Sam. That's great. And he would let me come up, it. and I got to hang out, oh, and I would hang so out cool. in the Mad office, yeah. and he would like look at my portfolio, and he'd be very generous and nice. And that's great. Wow. I got some great feedback, and it yeah. was I would I had just like. It was back in the day when you would actually carry around a hard portfolio. Of course, yeah. You'd drop it off at different magazines. Right. You would have two portfolios. You'd drop one at each place uh-huh. at the mail. Basically, they wouldn't let you in the real front door. You'd go to the <laughs> uh, like deliveries I front know. door, <laughs> yeah. and then you would sign in and sign out yeah. your portfolio. That's so funny. Um, so you'd have to have two, so you could go to two different places. Right, right. That's And that's another thing. Like That's an age that doesn't exist anymore because you have portfolio websites and things like that and email. Yeah. But when you go and show your face, it does make a difference when they can put a face to the name. Yeah. And also... It's you harder know, to reject people to your face. <laughs> well, I found that. For some. <laughs> I don't think John Ficarra had any problems rejecting people to their face. Like if... Um, <laughs> You know, when you go in, like if someone were yeah. to come in and pitch me cartoons, mm-hmm. I'd re- I'd have a harder time rejecting that cartoon if I was looking at the person who drew it. I think if you did it every day, you'd build up an ability, yeah, like Bob I Mankoff mean, did. You know, like, oh, like yeah. Lee Lorenz. You'd, right. you'd have that way of doing it. Yeah, going, nah, not for me. Uh, the other thing with Sam Viviano is because he was an artist himself, so he's a great art director because he was already a great illustrator. And he still is. Yeah. He's still still illustrating now. He's, he did great stuff before he was yeah. the art director. This, the, his stuff in Mad was great. Yeah, the Titanic parody. Yeah. The the I think he did the uh, not Goodfellas. Um, who's the the Untouchables? I think he did. He did a ton of different. He parodies. had. A f- I I used to draw like him. I mean, I would look. I would study Mad Magazine to, yeah. to learn how to draw right. the way right. I wanted to draw. Like I, I was taking art classes and learning how to do more like classical portraiture and stuff. Yeah, right. But right. then I really wanted to learn how to do like Mad stuff. Right. So when I went to school, I was doing serious stuff, and then I morphed into comedy humor illustration. And mm-hmm. then when I came to New York, I was a newspaper illustrator. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that I mean, that's a long answer to your question. Is I read Mad Magazine to learn how to draw. I was self-taught in yeah. as much as I spent my pocket money on Mad. Yeah. And then just I tried to copy Mad. So is yeah. it insanely fulfilling to be now amongst that group? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't tell you... Have you been in the print magazine yet? Yes, 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 several times now, which is, I can't even tell you how surreal that is to me because that's... Is that more of a multi-page, like you'll get more of a spread... Uh, no, no, it's or is single, it single panel. panel. Single panel. Um, I I always wanted to be in Mad. Yeah. You know, that's all I ever wanted, really. More than the New Yorker, in fact. It, Mad just meant more to me. It means more to artists. I think, yeah, you to know? be not one of the usual gang of idiots. Like that's the regular guys, like Sergio and you yeah. know, and and uh, Jaffe and those guys. But it, it just to be even 
like I went to the mad offices in California in November mm-hmm. and uh, no in yeah in November and uh, they asked me to sign the whiteboard yeah and the whiteboard is this big board in the mad office that every mad artist every published mad artist has signed like all the greats everyone Jack Mort all those guys and I I I signed it and I'm like I, this is surreal I've dreamed of this for forever since yeah. I was a kid yeah and to know that you're even even remotely associated is insane. So yeah. yeah, that was a big life dream. That was a and that only happened last year. I only got in last year. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Who's the other guy that's so good? Um is it Anton? Anton Emden. Yeah. Yes. He's done parodies. He's done everything. He's good. Speaking He's, of um, Ivan, there's there's they, I think he and Ivan both have a lot of Jack Davis in them. Yeah, in they their, do. In their like style. But they both have the own unique style, obviously, like amazing. But they have, there's like some Jack-isms that I see in both of them that I'm like, wow, I wish I could do that. Because I can't, I can't draw like them. They're Who's incredible. the guy? It's not Mort Drucker and it's not Jack Davis, but it was kind of a guy in his, everything would be floppy, like a shoe mm. would flop. Uh, Don Martin. Don Martin, that's yeah. who it is. Mm-hmm. Don Martin. All you had Martin. to say was a shoe would flop, and I knew it was Don Martin. <laughs> Shoes would flop, <laughs> yeah. and he kind of yeah. had a yeah. He kind of had a, a wide. Everything had kind of like a wide jaw. That's right. Duck Edwing actually did a lot of his gags towards the end, but uh, Don Martin was so funny. The the collection, the Don Martin collection that came out, I think a few years ago. That's one of my favorite collections. The Sergio and the Don Martin are incredible. Yeah, yeah. He had so many good gags, so many yeah. good visual gags. There's a lot of hidden stuff in there. Yeah, layers, know? layers. Yeah. They would call it. Um, what would be like comedy density is is a term that another comedy writer has told told me about there was an old there was an old magazine called army man oh yeah and it was just like a very dense comedy magazine where there's jokes 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 art 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 and you couldn't you know there would be like five main jokes and then there'd be like 20 subliminal jokes hidden in the background well it's like mad i guess i mean there's little things always in mad that were like you wouldn't notice little cues totally like, That's, I think I read one of your ginger mags recently. Oh, yeah. And on the yeah. side, there was like a little joke on the side. We call was, that graffiti. That, Kemsley came up with that. Okay. 50% of the people read the strip for the graffiti. 50% read it for the strip. Um, that sort of jokes on jokes on jokes on jokes stuff. I love that stuff. That's yeah. why I love Mad. Mad, or you can go back and read it. It's like watching an old movie, like a comedy movie. Yeah. And seeing more stuff. Like, um, I, I love that about Mad. I love that about Viz. There's a, a magazine called Viz in the UK. Mm-hmm. It's like the UK version of Mad. And they always had a very densely comedic jokes on jokes on jokes. And, um, you know, there's a lot of it. Like these days, like The Onion is great. Yeah. Um, you know, Cracked Online is actually not bad these days. It, it's, it wasn't a great magazine, but it was. it's a pretty good website. Um, there's so many different places that have that ability to to pile the jokes on yeah and i love comedians who have tags on stuff like there's like sam Marill, mark norman joe list they have these um these jokes that just keep growing gary goldman has a lot of them mm-hmm. where you just it's just one joke but then there's a tag and 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 even like a little aside and it just you listening to it and it's laugh on laugh on like layering yeah. laughs and it's masterful. You're watching it, going, "How is he doing?" That's this? when you have the crowd in your in the palm oh, of your hand, totally. and like anything you say is yeah. just more laugh, more laugh, more laugh. Yeah, You're yeah, dying yeah. from yeah. just like one teeny little premise to start. Yeah, and then it just grows. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I love watching that. That's what drew me to comedy in the first place. Like, apart from like my granddad was big on jokes. Like, it was always watching people master jokes, mm-hmm. and it looked like a magic trick. 
I was like, how is he doing that? Like, it, you had, you wanted to dissect it and figure it out. Because you know? you're controlling a room of people. It's Which is a crazy yeah. thing. Yeah. This is a room of strangers who don't know each other. But you're going to try and get them all to agree on a thing? Yeah. That's a crazy idea. But and they don't know you. They don't know you. You're just getting up there and all right. of a sudden they love you, you. You're a stranger. They're strangers. They're there. I mean, they are there to laugh at you. But they're not just going to laugh. Like, right. you've got to make them laugh. Yeah. <laughs> And there's been shows like I've been doing stand up twelve years this year, and I've done so many terrible shows and bombed so many times. And then now nowadays I, I, I do well more than I bomb. So, but it, I re, I'm reminded that all those bombs I learned how to figure out the crowd mm-hmm. and how not basically not to make the same mistake twice. Yeah, and and how to figure out any room like. If I'm on the road and it's like a hostile crowd, or if it's a young crowd, an old crowd, a mixed crowd, a conservative yeah. crowd, like, um, you know, you perform differently when you're in South Carolina versus when you're in Brooklyn. Yeah, you got to read the room. Yeah, you read the room, and that's a skill that you develop apart from writing material. That's the that's a really important part of the job that you can only do by doing. Yeah, and basically failing a bunch, a lot, and then figuring it out and getting better at it. Yeah. Okay, you have to give me a very quick story because mm. I've, I've taken up too much of your time doing oh, no, masterful sorry. art uh, demonstrations. I could talk Look about Look how great these are. Wow. <laughs> these are going to be great. They're gonna, they're, I'm going to sell them for tons on eBay. Yay! I'm gonna, that's my Jack Davis foot there. I did a Jack Davis. All this. Um, uh, awkward story. Um, okay. Uh, um, Craziest thing to happen to you in America. Ooh. Versus, you know, coming here from Australia. Craziest thing to happen to be in America. Hmm. That's, I mean, a lot of crazy stuff has happened. I moved to America and got the end of Obama. That's what happened. Oh, what a change. <laughs> I literally, I moved here. And I got, and I was like, ah, it, was, it was hope change. Yes, we can. I got here. It was grabbing by the pussy. Something yeah. Yeah. changed <laughs> as soon as I got here. Yeah. And it was, I, I was like, all right, well, I guess this is the norm now. Uh, What's the worst thing that's happened to you doing stand-up? Worst thing that happened to me doing stand-up was... Um, oh, okay. So, listen, this this is... <laughs> uh, I was doing a show at a place called V-Spot in Sir Mark's Place. And I was hosting. Uh, I was hosting the show. And it was cold outside, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they were barking people in from the street. So, that means, you know, the, the one of the producers is standing on the street. Yeah. Hey, come in. Comedy here. Is this the V-Spot in Brooklyn? Uh, no, V-Spot in St. Mark's Place in okay. Manhattan. Yeah. In Manhattan. Uh, 8th Street. And so, he, uh, you know, the producer barked in a bunch of people. And I start, you know, doing some jokes and trying to get the crowd on board. Do a bit of crowd work. You know, yeah. where you're from. What do you do? And then, um, you know, getting some laughs here. But then in the middle of a setup. I hear this, and I was like, "What? Where did that come from?" And I look in the, you know, you put your hand in the spotlight, yeah. And I looked, and it was this guy, like a homeless dude. He was just sitting in the front row, like just just back from the stage, out of the out of the light. And I was like, "Oh, he's asleep." Yeah. And then so I was like, "Oh, I'll just push on." And so I kept going, and then I did the joke, and then. An, I was like, oh, God, all right. And then I had to draw attention to it. I was like, I made a joke about it. Yeah. All the audience is joking about it. And then I thought, all right, we're going to move on. We're going to keep, can we? And I pointed to the bridge. I was like, can you wake him up? He's, yeah, he's asleep. And so I wasn't going to bring the comedian onto that. I wasn't going to bring the comedian onto someone yeah. asleep. And so the producers come in and they're like trying to wake him up. And he's not waking up. And I was like, 
oh, is he unconscious? Like, they're trying to make it funny and light. And then eventually we realize he's not waking up. This guy is, he's out. He's out for good for the night. And so they literally had to drag him, lift him up and physically drag him out of the room. This is like, Three weeks ago, and 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 then, and all the audience, a lot of consternation, very very upset people going, "Oh my god, this is horrible!" That poor man. Yeah, and they're just dragging him out of the room, and then I'm like, "So who's ready to laugh?" <laughs> hey, all right, your next comedian has been a comedy center, blah blah clubs and colleges. Just and know then- that if you. If you, by chance, fall asleep for even a second, we will pick you up and throw you Physically out. Physically drag you from the room. <laughs> and, of course, the comedian was about to come on staring me. I can see the whites of his eyes. He's like, what are you doing? Don't bring me onto this. Uh, <laughs> that was, And that's one of many horrifying stories of that's doing stand-up in, in, you know, Louisiana and, and Kentucky, Missouri, Alabama, Indiana. Jeez, uh, uh, um, uh, Ohio. Oh, I'll tell you one quick story. Quick okay. story in Ohio, and it's not ne- te- technically about me. I was on tour in Ohio in October 2016. Um, everyone, I saw all the Trump Pence signs, and you know we did like Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, uh, Indiana, Kentucky, Missouri, um, Jersey, and uh, and this uh, comedian that I was with got up at the at the Funny Bone. Okay. In Columbus, Ohio. And he got not up. The, not the Chuckle Hut? No. <laughs> different shame. Oh, okay. Different guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he, and he gets up, and it's kind of just a full college crowd at this point. It's like the 7 o'clock show they do, too. There's 7 and a 9. And uh, he gets up, and he's doing a guest spot right before me. And he gets up, and he grabs the mic, and between taking the mic out of the stand and putting the stand behind him, he goes, Hey, guys. And just as he's trying to take the mic out of the stand, girl in the front, why did that have to be guys? Oh. Immediately. And then he's like, all right, are we doing this? <laughs> okay. Uh, and then he just, you know, his set went in the toilet and he just, and and then, of course, the crowd are against every comedian now because it's like, ugh, these guys are a fan. This is sucks. And yeah. then, you know, everyone was fighting to get the crowd back out of that. Yeah. But that was, I mean, that was a few years back and it's gotten considerably worse on the road since worse yeah it's way more insane yeah do you not want to go anymore like do you like mm. doing comedy in new york and not having to leave it's not about that it's that i don't think my audience is up in yeah. those places like I, I love them and they're really great audiences and they laugh and i know you know how to how to work those rooms but it's like they're not coming to see they're not they're not buying a special they're not coming to see you they're not bringing friends to yeah Whereas in New York, I feel like I do have an audience that will come out to a live podcast or like come and see me do stand up or do a show. Or, you know, they'll actually show up. Yeah. Um, but I do like those. Uh, you know, I like performing to them. But I'm I'm doing less road this year and more more clubs. In the, Bring them in the to city. you. Make them come well, to you. That's actually that's the interesting thing. We're on a podcast right now. I never did podcasting before very recently. I was always, every comedian had a podcast. So I thought, I'm not going to do a podcast. Everyone has a podcast. I'll right. do everyone else's podcast. Right. And then I was coming up with New Yorker cartoons with Scott, as I said, and he's got a radio background. And he was like, this would be a really good podcast. I was like, absolutely not. This is a dumb idea. Two guys talking about a visual medium on a podcast. No, in an audio. No, that's no way that's going to work. He said, "Let just do one and proof of proof of concept. Let's see if it works. Yeah. We did one and it went crazy. And now we've got thousands of listeners every month, which is absurd when we think about it. But 
we we started doing live podcasts and what we realized was we've built this audience of people who are coming to see us yeah. rather than us having to go out to see audiences and try and convince them, hey, listen to what I'm saying. You know, you go on a clubs out in the middle you of nowhere. You don't know me, yeah. but... Yeah. They're coming to you with the knowledge of, oh, I know what I'm getting when I come to these guys. Yes. And I like hearing what they have to say. And so now we're doing live podcasts where we, we have a built-in audience of people who actually like what we're saying. You kind of play to a home crowd. People like the multimedia. People like that. I think you so. Know? And they, they look at something that you've maybe done in the New Yorker or, or Mad Magazine, mm-hmm. and they want to know the story behind how you got there. Sure. I do know you, I do. Do you yeah. do live drawing at these, at these shows? Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I hook up a Cintiq up to a, a big screen. And I have it like That's behind awesome. me, and so while we're coming up with the ideas, I'm drawing them live. Yeah. And we had to get like last time we had a guest, we had Roy Wood Junior from the uh, oh he's great show, and he's really funny. Yeah. He's great on his feet, quick thinker. And we had him do some like lightning round caption competitions and stuff. But he also like came up with this really funny idea about polling booths, and I was drawing it live, and we're like adding stuff to it as we went, and it's such a cool like. Thing to just create out of nothing. On Have the you spot. taken anything that you've created at a live show and then actually had it go on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. A New Yorker or Mad? Uh, we saw. Yeah, we saw one of the gags. I think to Mad that we kind of pitched up and 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 put together in the live podcast. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, like yeah. audience uh, interactions and stuff. Yeah, and people like we 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 take audience suggestions as yeah. well. So people send in their suggestions and then we kind of punch them up and figure out how to make them funny. That's awesome. Funnier. Um, and and so in the live ones, they literally pitch them live. We give them a mic and say, "Hey, we got an idea." And they're like, "All right, it's a praying mantis, and he's in a bar." And we're like, "All right." And so we draw it up. It's and how we... it always starts: <laughs> praying mantis in a bar. Heard of the thousand times? Yeah. I bet you've seen a lot of praying mantis jokes. Praying mantis and a priest and a rabbi <laughs> go into a bar. So yeah, and then the praying the... mantis eats them all. <laughs> so that's I guess that's the answer to your. Audience question. Yes, I, I, we've built an audience now. And, it's good, and they're coming to see us. When is your next live uh, podcast? Next live podcast is in April, and I'm going to go. Oh, great! You should come. It's Where on Laurie's you... side at Caveat. Oh, um, Caveat's great. Yeah. So follow us. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Just is there something in this? And you can follow me on Instagram at Jason Chatfield, um, or Scott Dooley is at Scott Dools on Instagram. Uh, we'll we'll um, you know we, we'll plug it on the podcast and on social media so mm-hmm. that everyone knows where and when. And there's a big mystery special guest is a movie star. We got a, we really? got a, literally a big movie star, Hollywood movie star. Yeah, Hollywood movie yeah, star. Yeah, it's a pretty big one. That's We're exciting. Excited about and this. Is in April. That's in April. Yeah, and then we have two in May. We have two at NCS Fest. Okay. So we have like the 17th and 19th of May. We have our first guest is confirmed and he's huge. I've already mentioned him on this podcast. I'm Ooh. not going to say who it is. I'm not, yeah. Is it Roy Wood Jr.? <laughs> no, not again. No. Oh. But uh, we'll, we're teasing that one, but you'll know pretty soon who that's You've said be. it on this podcast already? I've said his name on this podcast. Yes. So you'll have to go <sighs> back. You're going to have to rewind. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to rewind this podcast. Rewind this live podcast. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but that's going to be really fun. And uh, we'll do two that weekend, one on Friday, one on Sunday. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's you have a great. lot of stuff going. Hey, I'm keeping busy. You keep very busy. Keeping busy. Uh, this has been Jason Chaffield. Jason Chaffield, thank you so much thank for being uh, a guest on Talkroot and taking some time out of your busy day. Go home and, and write some Ginger Meg <laughs> jokes in a bathtub. <laughs> and New Yorker and Mad Magazine and a bajillion other things he's doing. <laughs> So follow him at Jason Chaffield at Jason underscore Chaffield on Twitter. 
because there's that holdout. Ugh, that guy. <laughs> um, and yeah, go go see him live. And uh, what's the the website for? Is there something in this? Yeah, you can just it's on anywhere every podcast app you can find. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just type in "Is there something in this?" Is there something in this? Then they talk about cartoons. Yeah, and New Yorker stuff. <laughs> and that's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Jason Chaffee, for being on Talkwork. Thanks, Marty Beecher. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm Marty Dunnix, editor in chief of Weekly Humorous Magazine. Follow us online at weeklyhumorous.com and um, sign up for our e-newsletter. Uh, we also do uh, Guaranteed Delivery comedy shows. Check those out at guaranteeddelivery.tv. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.